0: Let's dive into our service today. I have a Christmas message that uh, I felt the Lord, uh, actually I've had it for several weeks, um, sort of the, the framework I felt God speak to me about uh, today. And, and here's um, what kind of the, the thought I felt really, God began to speak into to my own heart, which I want to submit to you, that this time of year is a full time of year. All right. You're, you're wrapping up. If you're in school, you're you just you're wrapping up uh, classes. I know for many finals week was last week. Uh, you're wrapping up finals or wrapping up classes. For those of you who are working, it's you know, your work life. You're wrapping up for the year. Uh, you're planning parties and festivities. You're making purchases of gifts. Maybe you're planning travel. You're getting away. It can be a very full time of year. And if we're not careful, I know I've been there. So I'll say transparently, we can go through the motions of this time of year and we can actually lose the wonder of Christmas. Uh, we, can, we can actually lose the, the power and the significance of the Christmas story. And if, you've grow, if you've grown up in church or you've been around church for a while, you can even recite Luke chapter 2 maybe in your sleep because you've heard it so many times. And even as a Christian, you can sort of approach the Christmas story as kind of going through the motions. Oh, yeah, I know that. And here's what I want to challenge you with today. Uh, is to rediscover the beauty and the wonder and the gift of Christmas. Uh, to not get so caught up in all that we have, to have a moment uh, today and uh, even this week, or we, we once again rediscover the wonder of this time of year. And we're going to look today at the Christmas story, and I want to draw out um, some some really what Christ and what he gives to us through his arrival into the earth, and what he's done for us, and to really kind of renew and refresh once again what Christ came to give us with his life. But let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your word. God, we, we know it's a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path. And today as we open up your, your scripture, God, we just uh, we say we're ready to receive from you. We love you. We honor you in the name of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen. Luke chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, Luke 2, Luke 2, verse 4, we're going to start here. It says, so Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee, or in Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with an angel praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests." Uh, in this, these this brief passage, I want to speak to really three gifts that Christ gives us with his life uh, that I want you to take hold of afresh and anew this Christmas season. Uh, so here's the first one. If you're taking notes, uh, and if you're not taking notes, you know the drill. Just write this down. Hope in the waiting. Hope in the waiting. What happened up until this moment? Is what is known as the 400 silent years. Uh, from the end of the Old Testament to the beginning of the New Testament, there were over 400 years where God did not speak. Uh, that, was, that was very uncommon up until that moment. So if you are used to hearing the voice of God or the Word of God, and then all of a sudden you hear nothing, uh, it, is, it is not necessarily, a, uh, it can unsettle you, so to speak. Not only that, but over those 400 years, especially in the latter 150, the Jewish people, the people of God at that time, they were they were they were conquered by Rome and Rome wasn't um, very kind to them. I'll say Uh, they restricted their freedoms. Uh, It was a time where Jewish people were oppressed. So if you were. someone who worshipped God, this time had been a rough time for several generations. Not only that, God had not been speaking. In fact, one commentator said it this way, the only hope that the people of God had in this moment was the Messiah coming into the earth. That's exactly what happened. And what God gives us, what what he gave them in that moment, what he gives us today is hope in the midst of our waiting Anybody else be willing to be be honest on this Christmas Sunday? And you would say, I have a difficult time waiting for things. Any impatient people in the house this morning, uh, I have a hard time waiting. Uh, I thank God for the Starbucks app. I have not waited in line for coffee in about five years. Come on, somebody. Uh, some of you this will cause anxiety like my wife for me this is how I flow I try to arrive at the airport so by the time I check my bags if I have any get through security and arrive to my gate it's already boarding because I, I walk by everybody else who've been waiting for several hours and I'm like suckers you know <laughs> like why show up to wait come on time is valuable people uh, for those though who I've traveled before sometimes I have noticed some of you that creates anxiety you like to be real early um, but I don't like to wait. Like I was uh, flying from Chicago to D.C. several months ago, and um, it was a, it was a later, later flight, like 9.30 or 9 o'clock. So I, I don't like late flights to begin with because I feel like there's always a higher propensity for a delay in those moments. And we get to the gate, and we get a notification on the app that says, 30 minutes delay. I'm like, all right, Jeremy, breathe. It's going to be okay. 30 minutes delay. You can make this work. Um, And then they say you gotta change gates. Which you know, Hare Airport, if you change gates, it might be in a different city. Come on, somebody. You're like, dear Lord, I gotta walk for thirty seven minutes, right? And then we get to the new gate and it's like now a ninety minute delay. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Now that's a minor inconvenience, although in the time it does feel frustrating. But here's the reality. If I were to go around the room today and we all have a moment, and online, if we were to have a conversation, probably all of us in this room are waiting for something. We're waiting for a promotion at work that we're hoping, come on, this year-end evaluation, this is the time, Jesus, right? we're, We're waiting on, maybe you've tried in vitro and you've been trying to have a baby, you're waiting for a child. Or maybe you're single and you long to be married. You're waiting to meet that person uh, that you can spend your life with. Or, or, or you're, you're waiting. We're all waiting on something. Maybe you're a business owner and you, you've kind of stepped out with this business and you're waiting for it to take off so you no longer have to, have to work that nine to five. The reality is that waiting can be hard. In fact, the Bible says this in Proverbs, hope deferred makes the heart sick. That actually waiting on something you're believing for can literally make your heart sick. I'll say this way, waiting can turn into wailing (laughs) because it can be difficult waiting. It can be hard to wait on things that are in your heart. And I want to encourage you today, if you're in this waiting season, if you're waiting on something, you're waiting on something you're believing for, I want to encourage you with, with Isaiah 40, 31. It says this, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They were sore on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. That word to hope in the Lord also translates to wait on the Lord. It means to wait with eager expectation. Kind of like a child on Christmas morning. Come on. Any other parent, you're already dreading the 5 o'clock in the morning wake-up call? Come on, somebody. It's like, I have to drag you out of bed for school, but you're up at 5 a.m. on Christmas morning. This is crazy. Get to bed. Santa hadn't come. Come on, (laughs) But it's the expectation, right? Because kids are so excited. My kids have a hard time going to bed on Christmas Eve because the the expectation, like, oh, something good is going to happen. That's the expectation that Isaiah is writing here, that we're waiting. Listen, the Bible says God is good and what he does is good. Therefore, I am waiting with eager expectation that God has something good in store for me. Romans 8, Paul said this, that God works together all things for good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I want to encourage you this morning to once again have hope in God, to have faith in God. David wrote in Psalm 119, 114, I have put my hope in your word. That hope is built by the word of God. Paul wrote this in Romans, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And it's important that we We raise our level of faith. It's important that we raise our level of hope because so often, even this morning, I was reading my Bible reading plan. and I read in the the Gospels a moment where where Jesus saw someone. He said, it's your faith that's healed you. It's your faith that made you well. Do you know that God is still moved by faith in 2022? That God still responds to our faith today? Listen, God's not moved by need. He's moved by faith. I'm going to say it again because somebody needs to write write, write this down. God's not moved by your need. He's moved by your faith. Do you believe he can move? So how do we increase our faith? With the word. A few weeks ago, my wife Christina left the, the house for a few hours on a Saturday to run some errands. And one of the roles I play as a father, maybe some of you dads play this role, is I am the answer I provide the answer to the question, when Christina is gone, what time is mom coming home? (laughs) Any other daddy play that role? What time is mom coming home? In two hours. About every 30 minutes. What time is mom coming home? About an hour and a half. What time is mom coming home? About an hour. What time is mom coming home? About 30 minutes. What time is mom coming home? Any time. But they know that dad knows what they don't know. Can I tell you this? The Bible says this, God knows the end from the beginning. He knows the end of your life before you began life. Therefore, listen, when we, when we read the word, when we remember the word, we return to the word, when we, when we read the word, it stirs up faith and hope did you know the Bible has 7,147 promises from God to us? Promises, a plan for a hope in a future. Promises for healing, promises of blessing. Listen, if you're lacking hope or you're lacking faith, may I encourage you in 2023, make it a year more than ever before you are more consistent in the word of God. Anybody else notice if you scroll social media or you scroll the news, you don't often leave full of hope? But listen, when we, when we read the word of God, here's why it's so important, church. Why? We want to increase our faith because God is moved by faith. Hebrews 6, 19, the author of Hebrews says, we have this hope. I love this. As an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. You know, an anchor, I am not a nautical man myself. I don't boat often, um, but I have been on a boat before. And here's what I've learned from, about anchors because I know how to Google. Um, is that anchors, what, what they do is they, they enable a boat to withstand the storms and not capsize. They enable a boat to be able to take on the wind's and the waves of, of the water and not turn over, not drift out to sea. And the author of Hebrews says this, listen, that, the, that, that Christ is an anchor for our soul. You know what's intriguing? When they first started um, creating anchors, that what they found was for the larger boats they were like using the same type of anchors as they did for for smaller boats so they would anchor these larger boats and then they realized the anchor wasn't strong enough can I tell you you can anchor yourself in life to something that's not strong enough to give you the security in your soul that your soul is longing for anybody else learned in 2022 you cannot anchor yourself to the outcome of the economy Right. Don't talk to your financial advisor right now. Come on, somebody. <laughs> You're like, it's down how much? <laughs> right. Like, like you can't anchor yourself. We've learned through a pandemic. There are certain things you cannot put your hope in. But this is nothing new. Right. Solomon said nothing new under the sun. The Bible says this. Everything in this world will be shaken. Aren't you glad I came to church today? Come on. Economies will be shaken, governments will be shaken, workplace is shaken, family shaken, your health shaken. We've learned in a pandemic, you can do everything right, but still be unhealthy. Again, I'm not saying this to discourage this church, but I'm saying it that we have a hope that is a firm anchor for our soul. That when the storms of life comes, when sickness comes, when economic downturn comes, when you have a rough year in your workplace, when you have family tension, there is an anchor that's firm and secure. Can I tell you, man? Make 2023. That's the year I'm anchoring myself to the firm foundation. I, I'm not going to anchor my identity to what I do at work. I, I'm not going to anchor my value to my 401K. I'm going to anchor myself to the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, 2023, make God put God first in your life. Man, make him first in every area of your life, saying, I'm going to build my life upon the rock of Christ. He came to give us a hope. Here's second gift that Christ gives us with his life. He gives us peace on earth. It says that there was a, a, uh, a host, a heavenly host, that appeared with the angel, that declared peace. You know that word host, a better translation in the Hebrew, is an army. You know what's, what's interesting? When a natural army shows up, they bring conflict. When a heavenly army shows up, they bring peace. And what was intriguing was, what was happening historically at this time in history, was Augustus Caesar, who was Caesar over Rome, he declared the Pax Romana. Uh, Some of you remember this from history class. He declared a peace over Roman occupations. So no battle, no war. Ironically, the Pax Romana, or the peace, was enforced by Roman force. (laughs) In fact, um, Epictetus, he's a first century Greek philosopher. He said this, that while the emperor, speaking of the Pax Romana, may give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief, envy. Watch this. He cannot give peace of heart for which man yearns more than even for outward peace. In other words, he said the Pax Romana was a false sense of security. It wasn't real security. So I was thinking about a false sense of peace. I was reminded, uh, even this week, uh, we have uh, three children, if you're new to Catalyst. Uh, they're 9, 7, and 4. And um, what we've learned is, and right now we're in the season with our 4-year-old, that if she's in the house and, and Christine and I are having a conversation, maybe some parents or aunts or uncles can relate in this room, and you're, 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 we're having a conversation. Then all of a sudden, we notice the house grows eerily quiet. And how many know, if you have a child under five and it's quiet, you don't have peace. Come on, somebody. You have a false sense of peace. Anybody else, your children are only quiet when they're doing something they should not do? Come on. It's like you are loud 99% of the time. And the 1%, it scares me to death. It's like a horror movie. It's like quiet. You're like, oh no, what's happening? <laughs> True story. We have walked in on my my youngest writing on her white blinds with permanent marker. That was lovely. She commonly will be pulling all of her clothes out of her drawers, and we know if it is quiet, it is a false sense of peace. Uh, can I tell you the peace that we can get from natural things? Uh, is is temporary, not eternal. How many of you know? Anybody else? You're on vacation, come on, and you're like so peaceful, and then you get back, and you open up your email, no peace, <laughs> right? Like, or, or yeah, or for a moment you have some financial peace, and then you get it You go to the to the car car dealership because your check engine lights on, and then you're saying, how much again? <laughs> No peace, right? Uh, you know, and that's what, listen, and, and I believe this, the enemy would love nothing more than to rob you of your peace. Have you ever experienced this? Maybe you're having a, you're having a relatively good day and you scroll, again, social media, the news, something. all of a sudden, peace is gone. Anxiety, worry just comes up. Because peace is powerful. The word peace that's used in the New Testament here is not just, Um, an absence of conflict. It actually means, yes, peace as we think of it emotionally, but it also, it's the word shalom, which means well-being and prosperity and blessing. It's what Christ uh, was referring to when he said in John 10.10, I came to give you life and life more abundantly, that he came to give us true life. In fact, John 14.27, Christ said this. He said, peace I leave with you, My peace I give you. I love this. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. What's what's, what's powerful of this statement, John 14, 27, is Christ is declaring peace to some men who were in that vicinity who would have gotten murdered for their faith. He says, I came to give you peace. Do you want to know why? Why? Because the peace from Christ is the only peace that you'll remain at peace even in the face of death. It's the only peace that's not circumstantial. Can I tell you this? Peace is not the absence of conflict. It's found in the presence of Jesus. And, and I was remembering years ago, I remember talking to someone that was literally on their deathbed. Like weeks away. At most, from facing death, it was terminal. Doctors said there's no hope. It's now a waiting period, and I'll never forget. And it has forever will mark me. Is the level of peace this person had? And and can I tell you, the only person who can give you peace in the face of sickness, give you peace in the face of a layoff. Can give you peace when your child has significant struggles in school. Can give you peace when you have marital tension. Can give you peace when you're still waiting on a a hope, a dream to come to pass. The only person who can give you peace in the face of death, church, is Jesus Christ. It's an unconditional, eternal peace. He wasn't in declaring an absence of conflict. In fact, Christ himself said, tribulations will come. He he knew that you would lose loved ones. He knew that we'd have a pandemic one day. He, He knew that we'd face sickness. He knew that we would face hardship. And here he is declaring, even in the midst of hard situations, I'm giving you peace. I'm giving you shalom. That's a peace he desires for all of us. A practical way for us to experience that peace I love Philippians 4. I love the book of Philippians for multiple reasons, but one is this. Is that when you read the scriptures, always read it with the context. The Apostle Paul is writing this from a prison cell. And they didn't have air conditioning back then. There was no Wi-Fi in this prison cell. Come on, somebody. Uh, It was a rough prison. He was in there because he worshiped Jesus. And he writes this in prison. Come on, how many know if you have peace in prison... I'll read your book. Come on, somebody. I'll listen to your podcast. Paul says this Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, the shalom of God, which transcends all understanding, I meaning you can't even grasp it fully cognitively, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The whole idea of guarding your heart and mind, here's what that tells us. That you can actually have peace in the midst of anxiety. You can be in an anxiety-provoking situation, but have peace that guards your heart and mind. When you present your prayers and petitions. You know, Paul in this moment, what he he is saying, when we pray and we ask God to move. You know, Jesus said you ask, you have not because you ask not. When we, when we pray, prayer is not an abdication of responsibility. It doesn't mean we say, you know what, God, you know. It's like, God, I'm going to do what I want to do. But give me a six-pack, Jesus. Come on, somebody. Anybody else you're praying for that in 2023? I'm like, God, if you can raise the dead, you can give me a six-pack. <laughs> Faith. I've tried, Jesus. I can't do it. Back to the scriptures. It doesn't abdicate you of responsibility. Here's what prayer does. Write this down. Prayer recognizes God as the ultimate authority. It's saying, listen, I'm not not saying I'm no longer responsible for my part. But have you found this to be true? A lot of times the things that we worry about are things that we do not have full control over. Like we worry about what's going to happen in that client meeting and you don't have full control over what they decide. You worry about your child's performance at school, and you don't have full control over that. Uh, you worry about, about the, 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 the progress of that medical condition you have, but, but you can only control so much. Are you following me, church? So when you pray, you're recognizing, God, my authority, my power has limits. Yours, no, no limits. And you can do what I can't do. You, you can do what no one else can do for me. And I'm recognizing your authority in this situation. I love one of our overseers, Pastor Mark Batterson says, he says, prayer is the difference between the best you can do and the best God can do. Can I tell you why we start 21 days of prayer and fasting in January? Because we are setting our hearts. We are recognizing from the top of the year, God, you are king. You are Lord. Listen, I'm going to I'm going to do my part this year, but you can do what I cannot do. I love what Pastor Craig Rochelle says when it comes to worry. He says, if you have time to worry about it, then you have time to pray about it. Uh, what, what is it this year that's caused you to worry? Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's uh, your, your parent who's sick. Maybe it's your child's performance at school. Maybe it's something happening at work or school. Can I encourage you as, you, as you close this year, spend some intentional time praying about it. And let's believe for God to bring you a peace and to move in that situation. Let's bring you to my final point. So he gives us a hope. He gives us a peace. And then he gives us joy for all people, as the Bible says. These angels come and they said, we bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. I love that the scripture says all people. That was profound because some believed at that time he was only coming to bring joy to the Jews. But aren't you grateful that he came for the Jews and the Gentiles? He came for all people. He came to bring joy, not just to, uh, in fact, to give context It was profound and powerful that he revealed this to shepherds because shepherds were social outcasts in that culture. Their work made them ceremonially unclean, which means if you were a shepherd, you were not allowed to go near the temple because what you did was unclean. You could not come into worship. People didn't trust shepherds. They were kind of rough individuals. They were not highly respected in the culture. And I love the fact, come on, God could have revealed his birth to anyone, but he chose those that others look over. Don't you love our Jesus? Everyone else thought, oh, you're going to come back and tell a king. He said, no, I'm going to tell those that you even call unclean. I'm going to tell those that you won't even allow to come into the temple. That I came for all people. He came for The shepherds. He came for the outcasts and the in crowd. He came for the rich and the poor. Let's be 2022. He came for the Democrats and the Republicans. Come on, somebody. Some of you still don't believe that. We're praying for you, okay? He came for all people. Joy. Do you know in the Bible, it mentions joy over 300 times. It only mentions happiness about 30 times. So often in our culture today, we're like, we want to be happy. Can I tell you, what your your soul desires is not happiness. Happiness is fleeting. Happiness is the feeling you get on a vacation and you come back. It's what you get on your birthday when people celebrate you and you come back down. It's what you get on Christmas morning and then, well, if you're a parent, it's not happy. I'm just kidding. Um, And you come back down. Here's what joy means in the Greek. Are you ready for this? It means to have gladness in the grace of God. So joy doesn't come from a healing. It doesn't come from a promotion. It doesn't come from you getting paid more. It doesn't come from you getting pregnant. It doesn't come from you getting married. It comes from the fact that you have been forgiven of all of your sin, past, present, and future. And now when God sees you, he sees you as the righteousness of Christ. Now, if you've been around church, maybe you've gotten too familiar with grace. But may I remind you what the Bible says? The penalty of our sin is death. And because of our faith in Christ, you, myself, no one has to taste death. That's good news of great joy, people. That word great literally means mega. Like like that means Jesus supersizes your joy. Come on, somebody. Does McDonald's still supersize meals? I don't even know. remember back in the day, he supersized a meal. That's why I got kind of supersized, but it's a whole other story. Believe believing for a six-pack. Can I tell you, Christ will supersize your joy. But listen, it's not going to come from what he does for you. It's come from what he's already done for you in the forgiveness of your sins. Great joy, mega joy, supersized joy he came to give you. David wrote in Psalm 51, Verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. David had lost his joy. He lost his joy because of his sin, his iniquity. Sin leads to death. what the scripture says, it leads to destruction in our lives. That we restore the joy of our salvation. He's, he was lacking joy. And maybe some of you are here this morning, if you'd be honest, many were honest in first service, uh, you would say, I, I've lost my joy. I, I've lost my joy in the Lord. Nehemiah 8.10 says this, the joy of the Lord is our strength. That our strength comes from joy. That the joy of the Lord is important to restore back into our lives. John 15, Jesus said this, If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be complete. Jesus said, You will find joy when you do what I've asked you to do, when you follow my commands, you follow my ways, you follow my word. That when you come under the lordship of Jesus Christ, which to be clear to come under the Lordship means he is king and I am not. That he knows more than I do, so I'm going to trust in his ways. Even when I cannot fully comprehend it, I will obey it. He says, you, my joy will be in you, he says. Your joy will become complete when you follow my ways. Can I tell you this? God's ways are not intended to be a burden upon you, but a blessing for you. It reminded me, Thursday night we celebrated Christina's birthday. And um, she turned 30 again. Guess what she told me to say, okay? Um, so we are celebrating with the kids, and um, I got these little cupcakes for the kids. So I don't know anybody else has to do this, but I have to sometimes negotiate with my children that in order to eat vegetables, I will give them cake. Um, any other parents can relate. If you can get your kids to eat vegetables without any negotiation tactics, please write a book and start a podcast. I will buy and subscribe. So she had carrots and some corn and I said, Abigail, if you eat all your carrots, feed all your corn, you'll get some cake. So that girl ate her carrots faster than I'd ever seen her eat them. And then when I brought that cupcake over, oh, she was so excited. She stood up on her chair. She was, like, dancing. She's, like, so excited. She's getting some cake. And I, I've learned on a side note that maybe we can learn something from Abby. She eats the, uh, she ate the buttercream frosting first and then the cake. My presumption is she thinks maybe the, the cream, the residue of the cream stays in the mouth while you consume the cake. I don't know. Maybe she's onto something. But that's her flow. But she had this joy, this, this uh, like following her dad's instructions. I know it's simple, but it's applicable in the spirit. Can I tell you, God has something for you on the other side of you, you following him. He, he's not trying to be burdensome on you, church. I, I want to challenge you as we close this year and begin the next year, saying this will be a year I'm going to follow the ways of Christ. I'm not just going to come to church. I'm not just going to read my Bible. I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. It means I'm going to submit to his spirit. I'm going to submit to his word so I can experience the joy of the Lord. Psalm 1611, David says, You make known to me the path of life, and you fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. He says there's life found in your path. There's joy found in your presence. If you felt a levity in the room while we were worshiping, I want to encourage you. It wasn't emotional manipulation. The Bible says this, the kingdom of God is a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The reason you feel joy in the presence, it's, it's because of the Holy Spirit. There's joy in his presence. There's eternal pleasures at his right hand. Can I tell you, there's joy found with him, and he has joyful things for you if you follow his path of life. What's our application in this? I close with this quote from a song that we started with, Joy to the World. My hope is as we reflect upon the Christmas story, maybe some of these common Christmas songs we sing, maybe we we sing with a kind of fresh perspective on the power of them. That joy to the world is not just a catchy song, that it literally was joy for a broken world. Joy for a world that did not know if they had a right standing with God because of their imperfections. But now because of the birth of Christ, Emmanuel, now God being with us. You know the, the profound aspect of Christ's birth? He was born in a manger, which physically was more like a cave. That was made for animals. And I love what John says in the Gospels about Jesus. Here comes the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That even His birth was prophetically pointing to his death that even in Christ's birth we are reminded of what he came for to forgive you of our sins so we could have eternal life but the song Joy to the World it says joy to the world the Lord has come let earth receive her king here's the part I want you to take note of let every heart Prepare him room. How do we how do we rediscover joy in our life? So we make room in our hearts for him. So here's what I want to do, church. If you could bow your heads with me.